Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our show. Today we discuss about marketing. Even more, we are going to touch the topic how to become a more uh, impactful and confident marketer because i know it's hard today to compete with many others our niche is overwhelmed and overpriced but if you have the right strategy if you know where you are going and if you are willing to change update and get new skills then you can do it and i'm so excited to discuss this topic with stacy denheiser how are you yes hi i'm great thanks for having me a big pleasure. I want to learn more about that because, you know, uh, from my experience, when I, I'm learning something new, it takes time to get this confidence uh, and uh, nobody knows what exactly will work in that. So we need to test a lot. Uh, Tessie, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you live on this awesome place close to the beach on Pompeo Beach. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So I, I, um, hi, I'm Stacy. I, I spent the first part of my career working in corporate marketing. I, I worked for five different fortune 500 companies. I started in consumer marketing and then I switched over to B2B marketing. And, and after about 14 years of that decided to leave and go um, start my own consultancy. And so that's what I've been doing for the past um, seven or eight years now. I've also written a couple of marketing books, and I'm about to publish a, a uh, ebook called Look Inside, The Real Reason You're Not Winning the Marketing Game. Um, and so I love marketing. I've, I've been in marketing for a while. I've been teaching marketing strategy and helping companies with marketing strategy. And that's primarily what I do today is, is work with scaling B2B organizations that want to bring on more sophistication to their marketing approach um, and and really be more strategic with how they're acquiring and retaining customers. Mm -hmm. Nice. And nice. Pompano Beach, of course, I mean, for those of you that that um, you know know South Florida, you know that it's it's a hard place to leave once once you come here. So um, we were fortunate <laughs> that my my husband's job um, he got a, a job opportunity here in South Florida. And so we relocated from Denver, Colorado. So traded in the the snow for the sand and it's been about a few years now we love it so <laughs> yeah awesome awesome love it love it okay uh, let's start from creating the right strategy uh, because you know i open your linkedin profile and i can see the first uh, sentence on your background marketing strategies that accelerate results uh, i see Often see when uh, companies use generic strategies according to uh, Content Marketing Institute, probably, if I remember correctly, but uh, uh, that was a study that uh, many, most companies have no a documented content strategy. So they use just generic strategies. Uh, and uh, I often speak with many different companies. They analyze competitors, check out how they get traffic, uh, sales, and do the same to replicate their strong sides, their unique selling proposition. But in the end, we need to consider our strong side our unique selling proposition. Stacy, can you tell how to create the right strategy? Yes, yeah, no, I love 
I love the question because, you know, what I see a lot uh, of marketing teams doing today is that they just jump straight to execution. There is a um, often a neglect that has been happening within the marketing team for so long that when they finally get somebody to to come in full time, everybody's just ready for that that person or that team to start executing. And so I have you know, a nine step process, step eight is execution. And that's where everybody wants to start. But often um, they will spend a ton of money, waste a lot of energy and a lot of resources on execution, trial and error, copying competitors, you know, trying this tactic or kind of following the, the bright, shiny object with, and, and often what the issue is, is that there is real, no real strategy. So what does marketing strategy even mean? Um, in my view, it's it's really there's going back to the foundation and the basics. So does everybody agree on customer segmentation? Do we know the right customer segments that we're going after and why? Um, targeting is another one, account targeting, very specific company names, but also specific role types and buyer types within those companies. And this is something, you know, we've seen grow over time. It used to be five or six people involved in B2B purchases. Now it's up to 11 or 12. So that's a lot of knowledge that you have to gather in terms of targeting, you know, all the different roles that you need to convince. Um, the third area is positioning. So how are you positioning yourself against the competitors and including kind of the status quo? People are already solving the problem today. And you have to really dig in and understand, you know, how you're going to convince people to do something different. And so positioning is a big, a big area. And then we move on to value proposition. You know, a lot of what you're seeing, um, you know, we, my, uh, my co-authors and I did a whole bunch of research into the sea of sameness where we scraped websites and um, Twitter feeds of the top telecom companies, for example. And we found that everybody was telling the exact same story, the same YS pitch. They're using the same jargon. Um, and that's really just simply that they don't, they don't really understand the purpose of a value proposition, which is to uniquely tell customers why they should purchase from you versus somebody else and what they're going to get from it. So when they, when they actually implement and use your product or service, what will they get? Um, and then you move on to kind of the messaging and the content strategy and, and really understanding um, the, the specific buying process, right? And creating content around the entire customer's journey from, from awareness all the way to re renewal or referrals. And so that requires different types of content for each stage of that journey. Um, and then ensuring, this is kind of the ongoing piece, is ensuring that marketing goals are tied to business goals. So a lot of times, you know, what I see is companies are starting to just execute a campaign or, or try to launch a new product or launch into a new market. It doesn't really clearly map to what the business is trying to achieve. So, you know, the business may say we have a revenue target or a sales target, but there are different ways to solve that problem. There are different ways to get revenue and the, the marketing um, strategy really needs to, to help articulate that and clearly map to that because strategy at the core of what strategy is, it's about saying no. It's about saying yes to a very finite focused set of activities and saying no to everything else. And that's really hard, I think, for companies to accept. So, you know, that's what I, I think you know, when I think of marketing strategy and when I help companies go through it, often I, I find that there are specific holes happening at one of those, one of those steps. 
Nice, nice, valuable, valuable. Love it. Okay, Stacy, uh, I have the question about uh, uh, B2B. Uh, you mentioned that you pay uh, more attention to B2B niche, and uh, uh, I'm interested about uh, transferring uh, the right data or knowledge to decision makers, because uh, according to uh, some tweets according to some many other consultants they usually tell that companies implement 40 percent of all recommendations so 60 percent are ignored uh, and in b2b it's even harder to explain that we need to do it uh, it's very important uh, because companies have other priorities they have no time uh, many other excuses so can you tell your methods because you mentioned that you consult B2B companies, your methods, how to tell so uh, that uh, we need to do something and uh, to handle or manage the process? Yeah, so I, I think there's a couple of things. Um, let's see, I like to start with awareness. Okay, so mm -hmm. self-awareness is, is usually the first step, which is what are the gaps that we have today and getting everybody to agree on that. Um, I created actually a free tool called the Confident Marketer Scorecard that is meant to be a self-assessment for people to go through. If you're a CEO, you can answer it on behalf of the team. If you're a CMO, you can answer it on behalf of the team. If you're an individual contributor, you can answer this for yourself. Or if you're a team of one, of course, you're doing everything. But it's really meant to illuminate gaps. And I think that's part of the issue right from the beginning is what is the problem that we're all trying to solve? So getting agreement on that is, is really step one. So um, sometimes I go into companies and do a marketing assessment. I do an assessment of their full marketing strategy, but also the, the competencies and skill sets on the marketing team. And that really helps um, the executives get a sense of, you know, where we are today, what does, where we are today versus where do we want to be and what gaps do we have in the middle? Um, so that's, that's step one is awareness. The, the second piece is alignment and getting alignment on um, the, the path forward. So like I mentioned in the strategy, often, you know, there's probably, there's, I would say two or three primary gaps that I see over and over at every company, no matter what the size is. The first is that Mark, there's a, a gap between what marketing activities are happening and what marketing is doing versus what the company is trying to achieve. And I, I read some stat recently that said only 40% of marketers are creating their strategies with the company's goals in mind. And so that is shocking to me because that means they're, they're doing a whole bunch of activity for what purpose? I'm not sure. So, you know, that, that piece is always missing. So I like to, to get alignment on the, the goals, as I mentioned, because strategy is about saying no, right? So what are we going to focus on? Let's pick the two or three biggest initiatives, the biggest areas of focus, because it takes a lot of time and energy to get momentum in marketing. And we need to have everybody focus on the right things. So that's, that's the first piece. The other piece that I see is always a gap is customer knowledge. So this, this particularly happens more in B2B companies than B2C, because you know in a B2C company, marketing is the sales department. They can go put a campaign out there and get immediate results and, and immediate feedback from the market because they, there is no b additional barrier of having to reach customers. In B2B, you have an extra layer. You have marketing, then you have sales, then you have customers. So marketing can get some 
feedback on content, you know, or, or copywriting, you know, testing messaging on a website, for example, but they're not really talking directly to customers to see. And especially when you have very long sales cycles, marketing has to rely on the sales team and get feedback from the sales team. And so uh, that's, that's a huge gap is how well the marketing team understands customers. And this is another area to get alignment on is what are the customer problems we're solving? What's the primary value proposition to reach these customers? You know, and then let's talk about creating content that the customers need. So alignment to customers is always a, a big one. And then the third area that's a, a big gap, especially in B2B, is the marketing and sales alignment piece. So you have sales targeting specific customers and doing their own thing. And then you have marketing going out there and and, and publishing ads or trying to get, you know, generic leads that the sales team never follows up on. And, you know, you've probably heard all of the, the issues happening over the past decades between marketing sales and sort of that tension. <laughs> and, and often what I find is that it's, it's baffling to me that, you know, sales has a very specific targeted list of accounts that they're trying to go after. And then marketing, meanwhile, is blasting and spending a ton of money on ads and other, you know, generic um, awareness activities and bringing in so-called leads, but the salespeople are never picking it up because they're one, they're not incentivized. And two, if they have a specific account list, um, that's what they're, that's what they're going to try to build relationships around. So unless, unless the lead that's coming in is on their list, they're probably not going to touch it. So I like to get, you know, marketing and sales alignment and have that conversation about um, the sales process and how marketing can help really uh progress deals through the sales funnel so nice it's a different yeah. approach <laughs> <laughs> yeah valuable by the way when i wrote an article about 63 uh the best content creation marketing tools and uh, one of my tools uh was to speak with uh, salespeople, you know, because salespeople mm -hmm. can provide a lot more data than many other tools. And uh, yes. uh, this data uh, is uh, much better than we can get from the average uh, data. I mean, like from online tools, SEMrush, Ahrefs, most many others, because uh, you get this data from your customers and your goal to satisfy their intent to help and support them. Uh, and can you tell exactly. how to improve cooperation uh, between salespeople and marketers? Because salespeople distrust marketers. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, probably ma many things uh, <laughs> why, why we have this issue. But in the end, uh, we have this distrust. And uh, sometimes companies have policy. Don't share data. Don't show data. Uh, and marketers need this data. If you want to get effective marketing campaigns, you need to show data to marketers because they can analyze and create the right marketing campaigns. So can you tell how to explain to business owners yeah. that we need this data and how to improve cooperation between salespeople and marketers. Okay, yes. So I'll, I'm going to give you a story about when I worked in, in one of my corporate jobs. When I actually switched over from B2C to B2B, the first thing I realized was that while I had a budget and that I got to manage my, my budget and figure out how to allocate it, sales, the sales leadership team actually had way more influence than marketing. And so that was something that was new to me coming from, from cons the consumer side. And so what I did was um, 
I asked, I started building relationships with the salespeople right away and started traveling with them and, and started to really understand how they were doing business with their customers. Now, the other thing that I did was I asked to attend sales training because what I quickly found out was that salespeople, and at least, you know, especially if you work in a larger company, we had a sales methodology um, that the, the sellers were expected to follow. And so there was a very specific nomenclature as to how salespeople were doing their job. And, you know, there's spin selling, there's, you know, Miller Hyman, there's uh, targeted account selling, there's a bunch of different methodologies out there. Challenger sale is another one. Um, so at minimum, I would recommend that every marketer needs to get either sales training, if, you're, if your company has that, or get to your sales leadership team and ask them what their, their favorite sales methodology book is and, and read that so that you can really understand that the, the process of sale, there's a very specific process of sales, just like there's a very specific buying process. And so when you can be the intersection between the two, all of a sudden, you get a lot more credibility from your sales counterparts. So I think the issue that's happening right now that I see is that um, marketers have not yet earned the credibility with their sales counterpart. And that's why they're not invited to customer conversations. That's why they're not invited to look at the data because the salespeople are worried that they're going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, somehow mess up the deal. And they don't want to necessarily invite a bunch of people into their deal unless they know that they're there to help progress it. And, and so, and I've seen this happen multiple times. Um, and so my, my path was always build a relationship with sales, use the same nomenclature that they're using and to show them that I understand their, their challenge and issues and to be helpful, to add value during the sales process, because I know all the content that we have and I know um, you know, have, have a different perspective, having worked with a lot of different sales teams. And so I can make recommendations that the sales team might not consider. Um, and, and they always found that super valuable. So that was, that was, that was my path. And I think today, a lot of marketers are just behind this way behind the scenes. And, you know, you can imagine, but just put your, your shoes, yourself in the, the seller's shoes for a second. If, if you're asking for data, about their deals and they have deals that are stalled, that all of a sudden is kind of showing a window into maybe it's a seller deficiency, right? So there's a little bit of um, a challenge there and you just gotta be sensitive that you don't wanna necessarily call the salespeople out. And I think that a lot of the times that I see that there's a hesitancy to give data, it's an ego thing. It's an ego protection of, I don't wanna get called out. I don't believe you're here to help me. I believe you're here to call me out. And so, but when you understand the sales process and when, when you've built credibility and trust with your, your sales team and your leadership team, um, that goes away because now they know that you're, you're coming at it from a place of helping, not hurting. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. It's a great tip. You know, you need to understand what they do, uh, to spend some time, uh, probably to sell something, you know, or spend time with them. So if you understand their pain points, you can understand how to improve cooperation and build relationships. Uh, Stacy, you know, uh, I like um, the name of your company, Shake Marketing. And, you know, for me, if you call the company, uh, I mean, if you create the right name, you can go much uh, 
better ahead. I don't know, named it. So can you tell why shake marketing? Uh, what kind of shaking marketing you provide? Yes, yes. So the the name shake marketing uh, came from a couple of concepts. One was um, to shake it up and to try something new. I think marketing is always about yeah. experimentation yeah. and I love you know, it's not just following the same playbook year after year, or copying what is happening in your industry or with your competitors. So it's first and foremost about shaking things up and, and doing things differently. Um, the other concept is about, you know, a shake, like a protein shake or a milkshake or, you know, even a shaken martini, where it's the concept that everything needs to be well blended. So I think what's happened, you know, what I have seen happen over over time is that marketing has become so specialized into a tactic so where you have people who just understand the website or just understand seo or just understand email or just understand social media and that's not how customers interact with your brand and so this concept of like shaken shaken together and and well blended is like integrating everything and being consistent with your brand and how you're showing up across all of these different channels and platforms because a customer doesn't care at the end of the day who's running your Twitter channel versus who's sending the emails. They just view it all as coming from the same company and it needs to look and sound like it's coming from the same brand. And so that's really, you know, my, my approach is uh, helping people with those two things, um, building a strategy that is fully integrated across, um, across the entire customer life cycle. I'm always, I'm always looking at it from a customer's point of view. So Nice, nice. Okay, let's talk about uh, customer uh, persona, uh, buying persona, uh, life cycle. Because, you know, once I spoke uh, with a webmaster uh, who lost uh, 400,000 traffic a month because Google dropped uh, some uh, his ranking positions, but okay. he didn't lose any sales. So he got great traffic, good traffic, you know, huge traffic, but yeah. uh, this traffic didn't sell products. And I see it's a common issue when people uh, choose keywords uh, that are related to their business, but these keywords didn't sell. Customers have a different mindset uh, or, uh, or they have no buying intent, uh, many things. So can you tell how to unite? Uh, I mean, like if we create content, how do we know that this content will sell in the end and uh, help our company to grow? Yeah. Well, I mean, the first concept let's talk about real quick is the concept of value. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you have really um, three stages of value. The first is to uncover value. And that is simply what is it that our customers want and need from us? And the best way to do this, I mean, of course, you can do some keyword research. But again, this is marketing like way behind the scenes. The, the best way to do this is to interview your, your existing customers and to figure out why did you actually choose us? You had all these different options. What was the problem that, that you came to us to solve and how come you, you chose us? And what value are we delivering at the end of the day for you when you use this product or service? Um, and and to, to capture from their words what it is that they, they want and need and like and value. Okay, so that's, that's step one. Step two then is to learn how to communicate value. And again, this is, um, this is really the marketing and sales job. If you understand what customers want and value, now you have to go uniquely tell that story in the market. 
right? And so this is where um, content comes into play and where testing messaging comes into play and where making sure that your story is consistent between the marketing uh, and the sales handoff. So if you have pitch decks, you know, case studies, that kind of thing that are reinforcing your value proposition. And I like to go with the um, approach of value themes, which we've written about in our book, Valueology. And that's simply trying to find two or three big value themes that will resonate with the majority of your customer types. It starts to get a little nuanced as you go into verticals. So let's say that, you know, you're going after financial services, you might have to um, tell a specific story, but, but it's, it's trying to, let's say if, if pick a value theme like efficiency, we want to help make your business more efficient. Now, how do we make financial services companies more efficient, right? And so you're just telling it through that, that specific lens. So that's um, the second, the second piece is, is communication. And then there is um, delivering value. And so the, the third piece, and often what I see is there's a handoff, you know, marketing and sales is so focused on the, the top of the funnel and getting people in to sign the, to sign the deal. But then once the customer signs the deal, marketing and sales leaves, they're now focused on trying to acquire another customer. And now you have a handoff to a customer success team, you know, or product team or somebody who's there to help them do onboarding. And then you have account management, which is, is ideally there to make sure that they're using the product and that they're going to renew the product and, and hopefully refer you to other business. So marketing in most of the, especially SaaS companies, um, today are completely absent in the back half of that process. And so the understanding the whole value, the whole value loop is that your value proposition is just a promise of what you're going to deliver. And you need to make sure that you're actually delivering it. And so, and then that feeds your marketing cycle. Going back to your question, how do we make sure that the content is relevant? Well, if you have on your customers in that whole value loop, then you will, you'll know that it's relevant because you're getting validation mm -hmm. and you're creating case studies and use cases and customer stories that are a hundred percent relevant because it's happening right now versus you know, sitting behind a desk and trying to do um, keyword research and guessing at what people might be looking at. Um, you have access, if you have customers, you have access to real data right now that you should be tapping into. Nice, nice. Yeah, I agree. I love it. Love it. Uh, Stacey, let's talk about uh, how to create content because uh, it's a big issue. You know, uh, uh, I often see when companies uh, limit budgets uh, to create content, uh, and uh, I think, you know, uh, and uh, yesterday, yesterday I spoke with one webmaster and he told me uh, he hired a girl who can write text for five, ten dollars per thousand words for me. No way. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> if you yeah. need such low quality content, you can ask uh, ChatGPT. It creates much faster, much better content. Uh, and today, if you want to win, you need to create only high quality content. But, yeah. you know, uh, once I spoke with Jim Edwards, he uh, had been working in Business Insider for 10 years. Uh, he started on company from scratch. Then the, the company was sold for $500 million, you know, a thousand employees. Wow. Uh, great okay. success. And he told me that their success depends on creating non-boring content. You know, uh, business, uh, this niche is boring. Like marketing, we can call it, uh, it's boring. But if you create non-boring content, it's not boring, yeah? So yeah. it's interesting to read. Uh, 
And they found many business books are great for sleeping. You know, when you have the problem with sleep, you can take a new book to read before night, sleep well. You can save money uh, for pills, medicine, you know, just take a new boring book. Uh, so I think we need to combine creating content between entertainment and value education. Because if we yeah. just share value, probably it's boring. Uh, and uh, according to... YouTube data to analytics my, my, that people bounce fast. 80% of people bounce for a few seconds. So can you tell how to create non-boring content from your experience? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, a couple of things. Um, whenever I see that statement that B2B content is boring, I think it's all relative to who you're talking to. It's mm -hmm. probably, if you're talking to marketers, or if you're talking to somebody who works at an agency who's seeing content all day long, they may say that's boring. But if you're writing and producing content for highly technical fields in IT or manufacturing or um, engineers and you know software folks, financial services analysts, um, those the definition of boring I think is all relative. So I would just be careful with that because whenever I see that I. I think, oh, these are agency people talking to marketers. And what, what's very clear, because I've worked in a lot of very sophisticated industries um, in, in IT, you know, where we were talking to the, the CIO, that was our target audience, um, or financial services, we're talking to highly sophisticated um, analysts who are managing, you know, multi-billions of dollars. And so it's, I think um, those folks, don't necessarily think of the content as boring. It's more about, is the content useful? Mm -hmm. And I think marketers sometimes try to be a little too clever. And what ends up happening is that it, it comes across as fluff. And so the, the, my, my concern with chat GPT or using, you know, somebody who's paying, who's charging $3 to write an entire, you know, 1000 word article is that they don't have the depth of knowledge. And sure, you can yeah. go put that out there and maybe get a little bit of traffic, but the reader, especially if the reader is a sophisticated business person, they're going to be able to tell in one second whether or not you know what you're talking about. And so it's it's having um, the depth of knowledge, I think, is number one. And, and making sure, and how are people doing this today? Well, you have access to subject matter experts in your company. You know, in mo unless you're marketing to other marketers, chances are you're not the subject matter expert. And so you need to leverage other people in your company, whether that's your product team, your engineers, your IT folks, your you know, finance team, if you're talking to finance professionals, um, find somebody in your team who is the persona of the customer that you're trying to meet so that you can start to really understand their day-to-day their -day and their world. Um, and then leverage them. This is where interviews come in handy, where you can ask them questions and, and really kind of get do a brain dump of what's in their brain and, and turn that into an article or a, a piece of thought leadership. So that's number one. The second piece that I think is a, going to be a way for companies to stand out, and it's been trending for a while, but it's more on that thought leadership side of doing your own research and coming up with your own insights. And um, this is a skill set, I think, frankly, that a lot of marketers don't necessarily have, right? This is the ability to gather data, but also to analyze data and to make sense of it all. And, and I think there's going to be some companies that, that do this really well and that are able to, to stand out um, and present 
findings, insights in a way that nobody's thought about it before. So all of a sudden it's, it's thought provoking. Um, and I would say not boring. Why? Because it's different. It's, it's telling a different story. It's sharing a different perspective. It's getting you to think differently. That is, is, you know, not boring. And then third, which has also been trending for a while is, is learning storytelling. And this is the ability to tell a story from, you know, the best, the best examples are really from your customer's point of view. So case studies right now, I think are really boring because it's telling it from the company's perspective. You know, here was this challenge that the customer had, and here's the solution that we offered. And here were the great results that they were, that they, that they got. And it just follows this super boring path versus hearing it from the customer's standpoint of, I was stressed out and this, I was feeling all these emotions and this was happening in my world. And then I was able to come up with this, you know, find this, this example in this company and they helped me. And here were these great results that I were able to achieve. So there's, there's definitely, um, I think an opportunity for, for companies, for marketers to tap into customers and to really learn their stories and to start telling those stories into, into the market in a unique way. And then also just learning in content in general, how to tell stories. Um, and so taking a storytelling class and learning the storytelling frameworks um, that are available will be extremely helpful to make it, to make it not boring. And then last piece of advice, um, because I've worked in so many different industries, I think this is where agencies can come into play is borrow from other, from other industries see what's working in other industries. If you're in B2B, follow, there's, there's a ton of B2C um, marketing plays that have not yet really been, been leveraged in the B2B space. And so, you know, borrow some of these ideas and try them out and, and see, do some experimentation to, to figure out um, how to break through all the clutter. At the, at the end of the day, the reason I think the, the boring piece comes into play is that it's, it's not breaking through. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, uh, you know, you, you mentioned a few times about testing experiment. I usually count how many times you can tell something. I lost my track, but, you know, let's talk about that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, in my life, I made a lot of mistakes, you know, a lot of uh, for me, it's hard to count uh, all of them. Uh, but uh, sometimes I don't know another way how to avoid mistakes by doing them. So I do mistakes, I can learn from them and go ahead because uh, I don't know where to uh, get the book or uh, all skills, how to avoid mistakes. Yeah, it's part of the process. Yeah. And uh, can you list common, mis common mistakes that companies still do and uh, your tips how to find a much better way? Okay, uh, mistakes that they make on marketing? Yeah, in marketing, yeah. In marketing, okay. I'm like, where do we want to start with that? There's a lot of mistakes. <laughs> Come on. I'm with uh, you that... too. No. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I like to, and I think most people do, this is how we actually gain confidence is we read yeah. something, right? It's, it's about knowledge, practice, and experience. So the first step is knowledge, reading about it, watching a video about it, listening to something, but that's all, I can watch videos all day long about, other people like how to play the guitar, but if I never actually pick up the guitar and start playing and start practicing, you know, I'm, I'm stuck on stage one. And so it's about 
one, being careful kind of who you're following, right? And and where you're getting your your knowledge and your information from. And then two, making sure that you're you're practicing this. And eventually the practice leads to like you're saying, you either you either fail and learn from it or you succeed and learn from it. And so kind of having that that constant learning mindset. Um, so I would say a couple of things. Um, where would I start with all the marketing mistakes? Um, let's start at the very top, which is marketing job descriptions and mm-hmm. the job of a marketer. I think a lot of um, companies are assuming that all marketing professionals are created equal and that there's one job for a, a marketer. And that's just not true, as we know. Um, and and I think it's, you know, one of the, the, the books that I co-wrote was called Standout Marketing. And we found that there were five core competencies that are required for marketing teams. And I'll just quickly go through them. It spells the acronym value. So it's um, V for visionary. It's the ability to, to have foresight and to set a strategy and have a pulse on what's going on and looking ahead. A is for activator. And these are um, the ability to get buy-in and make projects happen and, and juggle a lot of activities. Um, L is for learner. This is your your problem solvers and the people that say, we don't know what the answer is, but we're going to go find out. Uh, U is for usefulness. This is like the content creators being able to connect the dots from what a company sells to what the customer cares about and to to present that in a creative way. Um, And then the E is for evaluator. And this is the, these are your data folks, your marketing ops, people that are able to collect and analyze data and figure out what's working, what's not, and then what to go do about it. And so I I like to use that as a framework for marketing job descriptions, because, you know, if you're a leader, if you're a marketing leader, and you're posting a marketing leadership role, you need somebody that's very strong in that visionary, that's able to, to have a pulse on the market and the competitors and really understand what's going on. Um, and how to set a vision for the company and for the marketing and for the brand. So, um, but I see a lot of companies when they're first starting out, who do they, who do you think they hire? They go straight to the A, the people that are good, they're good doers, they're executors, and we just need a bunch of A's. But over time, the, the leadership team gets frustrated because they're like, we have a whole team of executors and we don't have anybody doing any strategy. Well, that's because that's what you hired for. And so looking at, at the marketing job description and realizing that, you know, the, the well-rounded team needs really all five of those competencies. And you're, you're rarely going to find the unicorn where somebody does all of those five really, really well. So, um, so that's, that's number one um, is, is not just going to Google and cobbling together a bunch of um, different job descriptions into one, you know, unicorn marketer. I think the second big mistake that I see in B2B marketing, which we've already talked about, is um, being super disconnected from customers. So mm-hmm. marketers are not allowed to talk to customers. They're, they, they're not um, doing any customer research. I mean, in my own research, I found that like m- once I, I asked a question about how frequently do you do customer research, almost like 75% say we have no budget for customer research. And the other people said, well, we, we do it, you know, less than um, twice a year. So that's a huge problem because you can't, we saw like 2020 is a great example of, of why customer research is important, right? You could have had an entire marketing plan built out for the year of 2020 and six weeks into the year, that plan was thrown out the window. And now all of a sudden we have a lockdown and nobody's going into the office, right? And everything, everything changed really quickly. And so if you don't have your pulse on what's happening, you know, irrelevance yeah. is, ha- is following. 
so that's, that's a really huge miss. Um, and then I would say the third is around targeting. Mm -hmm. That's like the number one issue actually that I see. It's so, it's so obvious, but when you ask the question, who is our ideal customer and what customer segments do we have the most success in and which customer segments are our most profitable? Most marketing and sales teams will have different answers for that. And that's a huge problem because effective marketing starts with the, the number one question, which is who are we talking to? And if we cannot all agree on who we're talking to, then what are we creating? Right? It's like, you're going to get a little bit of a hodgepodge selection um, going into the market and that's going to show up super inconsistent. And so I would say those are, those are kind of my, my top three. And if I was to add a fourth <laughs> for a bonus, <laughs> yeah. I would say that, um, you know, marketing is one of those fields that's always changing. And, and w when we were doing research for our book, we, the one I was fascinated with was about the, the learner. Okay. I'm a lifelong learner. I love to, to read. I love to watch things. I also love to create things. So I'm constantly learning. Um, and I assumed that other people were like that, the learning mindset, you know, they must, they must have that if they're in marketing. But what we found is that a lot of marketers are so busy with a, with a long list of things to do that learning and, and personal development and getting better in your career always falls to the bottom of the list. And I would say that's a huge mistake for marketing. I've seen people work themselves like out of a job and because they became irrelevant, their skill set, they didn't have a pulse anymore. And, and all of a sudden you have different people coming in from across the business who are more opinionated or louder or more assertive. And it's like chat GPT right now. Every single marketer should be learning about how to use chat GPT. I mean, it's going to change the profession for sure. And you, don't wait for your boss or somebody else to come and tell you, Hey, can you go check this out? And can you learn about what this means for our business? You got to get proactive about your own learning and, and really make that sort of a sacred space on your calendar that you're going to um, develop because um, it's really the only thing that, that people can't take away from you as well that you just, you know, get that you're constantly getting better. So that's what I would say. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't agree more, you know, yeah, 100% because marketing is a quickly changing world. So if you don't update your skills, then this AI will replace you in the future. But if you update, if you consider new technologies, I think you can use this AI to overcome others. You know, yeah, it's just helper. Stacy, the final question. Uh, you know, uh, when I speak with you, I can feel your confidence. You know, you're a confident marketer. So can you tell for my audience, if someone want to become uh, a confident marketer, uh, if you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, completely from scratch, what will you do today to learn more about marketing? Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, let's see. I... I think one of the, the big things having looked back on, on my career and, and also the people that I work with today and the reason that there's such a mistrust um, happening between the CEOs and their marketing teams is that marketers don't understand the business. And so I would say the number one thing it's it, for marketing, there's kind of a whole bunch of stuff you have to learn. 
Um, but if I was to like say, I'll say two things. Um, one is about learning the business. Sit down with, you can take a finance class, go learn how to read a balance sheet, go learn how businesses are being measured, go learn about the difference between a revenue and an ex, you know, expense so that you can have a full sort of picture of how the business is being run and what the language of business, okay? Because marketing is creating their own language and we've created a whole entire list of acronyms that you need to know to, to be able to work in marketing. And at the end of the day, the CEO and the CFO do not care about this language. They, they have their own language, which the rest of the business speaks, um, which is all finance. And so mm -hmm. that's, that's number one is that prioritize learning the business and basic business language um, and measurement. And then the second would be um, customer research and how to, to figure out audience preferences, customer research, um, customer value. We've talked about all of that. But those are those two areas, really marketing. What is marketing? It's, it's being able to connect the dots from the company to the customer. And if you, if you think of yourself as, as a bridge between the two, then you have to really understand both sides of that equation. So that would be my advice is to, is to learn um, how to like buyer psychology and how people are making decisions because market, marketing is the only department that is, is researching or should be researching this. Um, everybody else can pretend to or have an opinion about it, but marketing should really be the ones coming to the table with with real actionable um, customer intelligence. And so learning how to do that is is massive. Um, yeah, so those, those would be the two. <laughs> nice, nice, love it, love it, Stacey. It's a big pleasure to get you on my show, to learn from you. Uh, tell our audience the best way how to learn more about you, how to follow you, how, how to reach out to you. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm active on LinkedIn. I would love to connect on LinkedIn, please reach out. Um, and then I also, like I mentioned, I created a free tool called the Confident Marketer Scorecard. You can uh, Google that or we'll drop a link to that. Uh, and, and that is a, a tool that you can go through, answer some self-assessment questions and get a, a personalized report with some customized feedback on how you can start to improve your marketing approach. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Love it. Thank so you. valuable and fun. Okay, guys, thanks a lot for watching and listening to us. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.